and their son, Zach, David and Christy and Zach. Would you guys stand? Let us, let's welcome them. All right. Yeah. David is a friend who's uh, preparing to make the transition from marketplace ministry to pastoral ministry. So um, I'm excited for you to hear what God has given him for us this morning. But we're going to continue in our series in James, uh, which we're calling Walk the Talk with Jesus. And um, I'm going to read this morning James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. These are the very words of God. Father, uh, we ask now that by your spirit, you would speak through David, fill him up. And Lord, prepare our hearts to receive what you have given him for us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, hello. Hello. Amen. Amen. Y'all are so blessed to have Dennis and the whole staff here. I mean, that's, you're, you're blessed. I'm telling you. So as Dennis said, my name is David Eaton. I was here a couple months ago, so you may remember me groveling here on the, on the stage a couple months ago. Um, so Dennis asked me, hey, can you come back in October? We're going to do James. I was like, oh, that's great. You know, tough book sometimes, but I love James. You know, faith and works, man. I'd love to do that one. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that one. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, we're doing chapter three. I was like, oh, great, wisdom. Let me talk about wisdom. He's like, no, I'm doing that one too. You get to do the tongue. So... I'd almost rather do a liturgical dance up here than talk about the tongue, but that's what we're going to do. So before I get started, uh, let me pray. So Father, just thank you so much for the words that you give us to encourage us. Lord, may the words of our hearts, may the meditations of our hearts, and Lord, may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I ran across this little sign that we probably have all seen in kindergarten before. 
Everyone probably remembers this. It's all about kindergarten, right? Hey, we're a team. We're positive. We respect each other. We're kind. We try our best. We listen to each other. We encourage each other. I mean, who hasn't seen this in kindergarten? But really, these are almost kingdom rules, aren't they? If Jesus was to come right here, he'd say, okay, we're going to love our God and we're going to love our neighbor. And these are all about loving our neighbor. So a couple weeks ago, I got this email that I want to read a, a portion of. Our son Bennett plays soccer. He's 12 years old. He's been playing since he's been six years old. We have six kids, as many of you heard last time I was here. And um, so 12-year-old soccer, and here's the email we got. Coaches and parents, we're only two weeks into the season, and unfortunately, we've already had incidents of coaches and parents yelling and treating the referees disrespectfully. In some cases, we had adults using vulgar language to teenage referees. This behavior will not be tolerated and should not even be occurring in a sporting event with children playing soccer. My oldest son, Zach, is here. Zach is a little older than Bennett, more than double, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> but when he played six, seven, eight-year-old soccer, I remember on the sidelines, good job, you're doing great, awesome, and then you do a little thing and they all run through it at the end, and it was very positive. If anyone's been to a soccer game recently, the language is a little bit different. It's a little bit different. What are you doing? How do you, what are you, that's a horrible call. To yelling and disrespecting not only referees, but their own children. What happened? What happened here? I mean, how do, how do we get to this place? And what I'll submit to you is James gives us a really good example of why we get to this place is because the tongue is a reflection and a vehicle for what's in our hearts. If our hearts aren't right, our mouth certainly isn't going to be. I remember when, when Dennis told me that, hey, you're going to be speaking on the tongue, and I was here, and I, I thought, okay, I, you know, I, I can do that. I'll have to think about that. And I'm on the drive home, and, of course, somebody cut me off, and I'm in there in my car yelling, my brain's out inside my car. Luckily, the windows were up. And it's like, how did we get here? And where are our hearts? I love this idea that when James says, they are steered by a very small rudder, but I think the key part of that verse is wherever the pilot wants to go. The tongue is a vehicle. Our mouths, what we say, what comes out of our mouths is a vehicle for our heart. It reflects what's in our hearts. So I'll ask you, what's, what's in your hearts? Where are your hearts right now? If you're really to think honestly about yourself and about the last week, it's like, where's your heart and has your mouth reflected your heart? Because I will, I will submit to you, it's a battle line. It's a battle line. Proverbs 18.21 says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. It's our choice. Our, what comes out of our mouths is our choice. And, and, and James continues on. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and then we curse human beings, and I love this part, who have been made in God's likeness. If Jesus was sitting right next to the person that maybe you think back to yourself that you've maybe had some words with recently, if Jesus was sitting right next to that person and you were saying those things and Jesus is kind of like, what did you want to say again? We'd probably have a little bit different tone in our mouth, wouldn't we? Because we need to be right in our hearts. 
And those words, sometimes sometimes we get those words out, and has anyone have, ever had that feeling like, I got that word out, and it's like, oh, I wish I could pull that back. But we can't. But we can't. And so, and so the tongue is a fire. The Scripture talks about a tongue is a fire, and there is two kinds of fire, folks. This is the first kind of fire. This is destructive fire, the fire that burns down houses, the fire that burns down forests and trees, the fire that burns our hands, that is burning and scorching and painful. And sometimes we use in words of, of judgment, in words of pride, in words of bitterness, becomes live and active. I remember Christy once told me something that she was told. It's like, whatever comes out of our mouth becomes live and active, whether it's good or bad. Because sometimes we can activate things with our mouths. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. So what are we speaking? So let's first talk about maybe what we might be speaking to ourselves. How do we, how do we, how do we talk about ourselves? As I, as I was thinking about this, I was like, I was like, how do I, how do I portray myself sometimes when I say things? Do I say, boy, who's ever said that? Uh, I'm tired. I am tired today. Or I just don't feel, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I am not worthy. These might be words that we have heard in our lives, and sometimes we will say, I am tired, or I am not worthy, or I am not good enough. But does anyone know who Jesus said he was? He said, I am the great I am. So how about if we maybe start rephrasing and rethinking that if we say, I am tired, I can guarantee you Jesus isn't tired. I am afraid. I remember Jesus laying on a boat sleeping when the waves are going crazy. The disciples are freaking out. They wake him up and he's like, oh, what's better? He's not afraid. So how about we rephrase I, the I am? And if you're tired, I started to try and train myself to say my body's a little tired. Because the I am is not tired. We speak sometimes what is spoken to us. And what happens is we start making agreements with those things that are spoken to us. I remember when I was here before, I, I talked a little bit about my father and I talked about some of the rejection that I felt from my father and then relationships after that. I spoke about some of that rejection and sometimes what I say by making agreements, I was making agreements with that feeling of, I'm not good enough, no one loves me. Right? And so when things start happening, that allows the evil one to start allowing him to speak that into our lives. And he says that word over us. And every time something starts going wrong, I'm starting to hear, oh, David, your, your kids don't even love you. Oh, you're, you, can't, you can't do that. You're not good enough for that. We make agreements, but we have the ability to cancel those agreements, which we'll talk about today. How about our words to others? How about the words that come out of our mouths to others? They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. Does anybody know what the middle letter in the word pride is? I. I did this. I'm doing this. I'm doing that, pride. 
Has anyone sat, ever sat with someone and listened to the words of their mouth and, and they didn't ask a single question about you, but boy, they got a lot of eyes in, didn't they? Do we ever do that? Is that a condition of their heart or our heart? I know whenever I start saying I, I, I in my heart, I'm probably making up, trying to make up for something that's in my heart. And I'm telling you, the words that come out of our mouths has nothing to do with the condition of the other person. It has to do with our condition. That's judgment. How about words of judgment? Anyone ever done this? I'm not on Facebook, but I'm on Facebook and looking through, and it's like, oh, did you see what Naj was doing? <laughs> oh, goodness. Right? Boy, we're so quick to judge, but boy, you know, well, well I was doing that, but I'm, we're not going to go there because it's a condition of the heart. Yes, yes. And bitterness, boy, we talked about bitterness last time, man. It is a poison that will eat us up. I can never forgive you. It's not the words that come out. It's a condition of the heart, and we can't take it back. And what I'll tell you is these, these words have lasting impacts far beyond the now the words you're spoken to as a child, the words you're spoken to as a teenager, the words you're spoken to as an adult, those words stick if we let them. Those words will stick if we let them. I remember talking to Zach one time. I mean, it was a long, it was a long time ago, but I, I was in jest and kidding. I was like, oh, you're being an idiot. And I remember a week later, he said, Dad, that, that really hurt me. Sometimes we're kidding, and, they, and those words are not taken as we mean them. They have lasting impacts. They have a ripple effect. Do we ever realize this? Let me tell you about a ripple effect that did impact me. About a month ago, I met a friend, a new friend named Preston. Preston, Preston got called. He called to Crossroads, the church that we attend, and, and, and somehow it filtered to me where I could spend some time with him, a ministry appointment to kind of talk through some things. And I spent, I spent a couple hours with Preston, and we talked about his father who was an alcoholic. He talked about the words that his father said to him when he was younger and a teenager. Horrific words. Words that were challenging. Words that were words like, you'll never be good enough. Words like, you'll never be strong enough. You'll never amount to anything. And here's a 49-year-old man crying over words that were said to him as a child. Our words have far-lasting impacts. I led Preston to Jesus for the first time that night. And he started to understand the words that Jesus says to us. Words like, you're precious. Words like, you're my son. Words like, you are good enough. And he went on a men's retreat the following week, and, and he felt like he felt transformed. He started to feel that God loved him. There was, there was love from a father. There was that love from a father. And we were going to spend time kind of working through this, these issues with his father and these words that he heard, but, but those words were so strong. And a week and a half ago, my wife Christy and I were called to their house, a week ago, Thursday morning, and we got there 10 minutes after Preston shot himself in front of his wife. He leaves three teenage daughters. And we think to ourselves, how could he do that? Those words were penetrating so deeply and, and had holes in his heart so deep 
that he was not even thinking about the repercussions of what he did. Our words matter. Are we saying the right words? Are we saying the right words to ourselves? And how do we change this? How do we change this? Because there's another kind of fire. There's the fire that gives life. There's a fire. Ever, has anyone ever been like on a really cold night, cold night, and you got a you know, roaring fire going, you're keeping warm? Has anyone ever had that? Has anyone ever cooked food over a fire? Right? It provides provision. It provides warmth. It provides life. This is Holy Spirit fire. And Jesus says this himself. He says, John the Baptist says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is good fire. His eyes, Jesus' eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. I just picture this. This is Jesus' eyes are blazing with fire to convict us, and not convicting like in a jury or a judge, convicting us like convicting our hearts to say, I love you. I want you. You are good enough. Because we've all been made in God's likeness. And when Jesus did this and he sacrificed himself on that cross, I don't care if you were the only one. If you sit in that chair and say, I was the only one, he would do it. He would do it right now, every time. Every time. Whatever we speak becomes live and active, both in those negative words we say, but also in those positive words that we say. And it's people like Barnabas People like Barnabas in the, in the Bible who traveled with Paul, Barnabas was known as an encourager. Barnabas was known for encouraging people. It says when he arrived and saw the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord and in their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas was an encourager. Why don't we all be more like Barnabas? Because that's what, the, that's what God's heart is all about. God's heart is about encouragement, strength, and comfort. It is not about condemnation. It is not about punishment. It's not about that. If, if, I, I always think about it. It's like when, when Zach was little, we had this, we had this huge, heavy <laughs> TV that sat on the ground. And, and Zach, at a year and a half years old, would be wandering around. He'd always go for the plug. And we'd have to kind of steer him away from that, find something else. And that's what God does sometimes. He doesn't punish us. He's just nudging us away from where trouble is. That's what God's character is. God's heart is, is out of love for us, such a deep love for us. He just can't, he can't even get enough. We can't, he can't give us enough of it. And then we enter Jesus. Jesus, who brings us the living water. I love this story of the woman of the well. And Jesus is there with her, and, and she has heard words spoken over her, right? Five husbands. She has heard a lot of words spoken over her, and she has had a lot of destructive fire pointed at her. But Jesus' living water is a quenching. He, it quenches that fire. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up in eternal life. Eternal life. That's, that's how I picture Preston. See, because although Preston, also Preston left this earth and he was, he was not healed. He was fixed. He, he, was, he was not fixed. He was, he was broken. 
But then sometimes God heals not only on, not on this earth, but in death. And I know Preston is healed. I know Preston is, and I could just, I had this vision of him just sitting at a, sitting at a desk and, and God and Jesus are standing there and they're, they're showing him the reels, the hit, you know, of his life. Some good things, some bad things and some things he had to own up to. And, and then they showed him what happened that day. And then they showed him the funeral, three, four hundred people there. I got to officiate the funeral, like 300, 400 people there. And then, and then I think God showed him the real of what's going to happen in the coming days and months and the difficulty his little girls are going to have. And I bet Preston was just sitting there filled with regret, sadness. But then Jesus does what Jesus does. Just like he called Lazarus out of the grave, he said, Preston, come out of there. And he said, he's mine. And Preston was washed clean. All of that removed. Because at his funeral... When I presided over that funeral, I, I made a calling. It's like, Preston is in heaven right now. Do you, if you, you want to see him again? I think 40, 50 people, maybe more, looked at me to receive Christ for the first time. He had purpose, right? The words that are being spoken over him right now are, you are amazing. You're an amazing son. Angels, I'm sure, were high-fiving him going, look at that. Look at how many people have been added to the family because of you. Jesus brings living water, new life, quenching fire. It might be the next picture. <laughs> there it is. My wife and I got, Christy and I got a chance to go to Israel two years ago. The one on the left is, is an area called Tel Dan. Tel Dan is an amazing area where it's a spring that comes out of the mountains. And we got to go up there and, you, you know, you kind of dip your hand in there and kind of drink the water. And it's cold. It's fresh. It just tasted so refreshing. It was incredible. And then that same day, we, got, we took a trip down to the Dead Sea. That's us in the Dead Sea. Dead Sea has 10 times the salinity of any ocean. I mean, literally, you can see our hands and feet are both out of the water. You're so buoyant. You get up to about this high, you can't even touch the bottom. It's amazing. But after tasting that water, that living water, and then we got in the Dead Sea, and Christy splashed me. I'm sure it was probably her. That, I don't know. It was probably myself. <laughs> but I got some in my mouth, and it was rancid. I was immediately thirsty. I was immediately like, oh, it was horrible. That's what Jesus brings. He brings this living water that you'll never be thirsty again. But these things that come out of our mouth that are encouraging and strengthening are like that living water, like that refreshing, like I want to be around that person. Has anyone ever been around someone that is so, is so encouraging? You just, you want to be around them more, right? You want to be around them more. And then you get to the Dead Sea, which nothing is living in the Dead Sea. It's death. And that's the destructive fire. That's that destructive fire. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So our tongue is a fire. We have a, Christy and I have a friend whose, whose daughter, we, I called her, we called her and said, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking on the tongue, read James 3, and just, just create something. So I know it's hard to see, but she's a, she's a terrific young lady, and she prayed about it. And she brought this over, and you can't see this, but all over here is worthless, dumb, hopeless, stupid, and all these, all these messages of ugliness. And as I looked at that, I thought, I thought look at that. that that's, a, that's a portrayal of our lives somewhat. It's chaotic. It looks chaotic, doesn't it? 
And that's what happens when we start listening to these words and we start agreeing these, wor- these words. Things become chaotic and we can't see the beauty because what happens is, is you start taking these off. God redeems these words. Your life matters. This is what God says to us. I'm thankful for you. You are His. You are not alone. Amazing words. You are loved. But then what she did, she said, once we start seeing that, these turn into flowers. They turn into beauty. I thought it was an amazing portrayal that she gave us. And I think some of us have heard those words. Right? Some of us have heard those words, you're a failure. Some of us have heard those words, you're not good enough. Some of us have heard those words that you'll never be loved. Some of us have heard those words, but, but we have a God that will redeem those words into these words. You are enough. You are precious. You are loved. You are my son or daughter. He will redeem that. And I, when I was driving over here, I just got this word for us today, this word of restore. God wants us to restore. He wants to restore those areas in our hearts and take those words that we've heard that are negative and ugly. He wants to take those words and he wants to remove those and cancel those agreements in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. He wants to cancel those because you are his precious children. We are all God's children. Don't ever forget it. And although our heavenly parents and our, our heavenly brothers and sisters and you know, our, our earthly parents, our earthly brothers and sisters sometimes say things that they are not appropriate, and sometimes we say those things too, but he wants to redeem and restore those things because you are beautiful. You are precious. And I will, I will tell you right now that any of those words that you heard that are ugly, that are bad, do not define who you are. Because I will tell you the only thing that defines who you are is what Jesus says to you. Anybody in here, anybody out there, any of our families, anybody you come into contact this week, this month, this year, doesn't mean anything except what he says. So what defines you? What defines you? We're going to have a time of prayer today that I want Jesus himself to deliver through our prayer prayer team exactly who he says you are. But before we do that, I want to pray right now. So let's bow our heads. Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, for the words that you give us. The words, the, pe- the people you call us, the hearts, Lord, that you want to redeem and I want to call any of you right now to do a bold... I want, you, I want you to take a bold move. If you have felt some of those words, failure, not good enough, ugly, not smart enough, if you have felt any of those words and those words are coming of you, I want you to stand right now because I want to pray for you specifically. I want you to stand. If you've ever been impacted or if you feel like those words are on you right now, stand. Awesome. So, Father God, right now, 
I pray all over, over these amazing people standing in boldness. And I come against any words that were said to them that they are a failure, they are not good enough, they are not worthy. I come against those. And any of you that are standing or maybe even sitting that, that don't agree with those words right now because Jesus does not agree with those words, if you don't agree with those right now, I want you to say, I cancel those words in Jesus' name. Lord, right now, I, I, I ask your Holy Spirit presence to come over these people right now and come over this entire staff. I want this entire congregation. Lord, I pray that words would come over them right now, and they're going to get these words today that they are precious. They are children of yours. They are loved. They are good enough. They are strong enough. They can do anything that they want to do. I pray, Lord, that you would come over us now. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. So now we're going to do, if I can invite the prayer volunteers up. What we're going to do is we're going to have the prayer volunteers here all out in front. Okay, once I release you, I want to, I want to as you're led, I want you to come up. I don't want you to ask them to pray for anything. All I want them to do, all I want you to do is give them your name. They are going to listen for 10 or 15 seconds for what they feel like the Lord wants to tell you, and they're going to communicate that to you. All right? So you're going to come up. You're going to stick, give, just give them your name. They're going to give you a word for the, from the Lord for you, and then you'll go off once you're done and grab communion because communion seals that word in you. All right, that word becomes live and active in your life. So when he says you're precious, that is live and active in your life, sealed in Christ. Because Jesus on that night, he took the bread, he blessed it with his disciples on that night, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. I am sealing my life in yours. Remember this whenever you take it. And then he took the, took the cup, and he did the same thing, and he said, this is my blood of a new covenant, a covenant of love that you and I have in relationship together. I seal this covenant in the name of Jesus. So when you get this word, seal it in the name of Christ because you are loved. So come.